At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Our new gorgeous ladies of wrestling fan cast. The <laughs> Crypto Keepers canceled. We're now just talking about glow all the time, every day. Hello, welcome. Hello, I'm welcome. Alex Flanagan. <laughs> And I'm Addison Peacock. And we are, in actuality, the hosts of The Cryptid Keeper. I don't mean to like throw anybody for a loop who maybe just started with this episode and is now very confused by their podcatcher. This is The Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. As previously stated, I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. My wrestler name is Rebel Rose. Um, my wrestle sona is Whiskey Ginger. And we actually could make this like an entire bespoke podcast if we wanted to. I love Glow so freaking much. We just watched the first episode. Episode of season two. I watched it for the second time. Alex for the first. It's very special. We love it a lot. It was a whole trip. Yeah. When Glow season one came out, I mainlined it in the span of like two days. And then I immediately was like on the phone with Addison. And I was like, Addison, I need you to sit down and watch this TV show right now immediately yesterday. Now, here's the thing. What you actually did was, since I just kept not starting it, you came over to hang out and you said, um, I'm going to sit you down. <laughs> oh, I'm turning glow on now. And we're going to watch the first episode. And if you hate it, we don't have to keep watching it. But I think you're going to love it. And then, oh, wait, you were right. And here we are. That was our origin story. Welcome. So um, I'm, I'm the keeper of this week's cryptid. <laughs> Sorry if I'm a little, like, off. I uh, just got back from New York City today. So I was kind of all all, all, all oot and a boot. I've still got... um. I'm still on a sugar high from taking a bite of that big apple. Oh, cute. Um, and, and we are clearly, like, in, a, in an excitable headspace <laughs> owing to the beautiful, glow, beautiful glow, glow. cinema masterpiece that we just consumed. Glow. I love Glow so much. Anyway, anyway, this is a podcast where we talk about cryptids. folkloric creatures. We talk about folklore yeah. and creatures and cryptozoology and all things in, around, under, and in between. So I brought this with me this time. I brought the cryptid. I am the keeper of said cryptid. And I think we did briefly touch on this in a previous episode because this creature is, in fact, a fearsome critter of sorts. Oh, nice. Um, now, I don't think you're afraid of this kind of thing, but because we've done so many, we've talked about spiders before on this show, and uh-huh. spiders upset me to a degree that I like yeah. can't fully articulate, I wanted to talk about something that would allow me to touch on something that I know a lot of people are afraid of, but I find delightful. <laughs> okay. So this, uh, the cryptid I have brought with me today is the hoop snake. Oh! Yeah, do you know the hoop snake? I I know very little about the hoop snake. I just know enough to know that it's a friend and boy. Um, (laughs) I know a lot of people are frightened of snakes, and I apologize in advance. I will try to be mindful. I think they're cute and fun. If you're afraid of snakes, this is the warning. You would have also also have already seen the title of the episode, and you'd know snakes are a common. But... Uh, <laughs> I was reading the Wikipedia article that is just an alphabetical list of cryptids, mm-hmm, and I yeah. saw the hoop snake pop up, and I thought, that sounds neat and also familiar. I think you told me about it in an early Fearsome Critters adjacent episode. I love Fearsome Critters. I love every time we get to go back and visit them. It's like such a weirdly specific niche branch of cryptozoology that occupies such a specific and genuinely charming place. Mm-hmm. So actually, to kick us off, I would like to read um, the excerpt on Hoop Snake, the Hoop Snake from Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods. Yes. We hop into this. This is on page 27 of this particular edition that I, I found a PDF 
Jennifer. I need to buy that book. Like, yeah, you do. We talk about it so often. I just want to get it. So this is The Hoop Snake, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the uh, supposed Latin terminology for it because okay. it is very long and with a lot of consonants in places that I don't expect to see them usually. So here we go. What kind of voice should I give this, you think? Oh, for a hoop snake? Well, it's first and credit to the lumberwoods, so you have to be like a lumberjack boy. Am I a southern lumberjack? Because that's the only kind of voice I know how to do. Sorry, what? Where do you, what do you think lumberjacks are? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do accents. Just do like your, your, like, um, your north midwestern voice. You're up there in the in the Wisconsin. Oh, woods. I'm up in the yeah, I'm up in the woods of yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, you're up in the woods of Wisconsin. Okay, so I'm gonna drop my voice way down low because I'm all like because you're uh, a lumberjack. I'm a lumberjack <laughs> and I'm a and that's okay. And that's okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, a well-known menace. Its existence is thoroughly established by numerous reports from highly credible parties. The characteristics appear to be about the same in all regions. Its habit of tucking its tail in its mouth and rolling at incredible speed in pursuit of its prey or a fancied enemy is not duplicated, fortunately, by any other member of the animal kingdom. I, I do need to stop real quick, and I need you to um, sort of, like, develop your, your lumber sona with me. Because you're doing this, and all, literally all I can hear is the old Saturday Night Live sketch with, uh, with the, the guys in Chicago. Chicago. You've seen oh. what I'm talking about, right? The bears. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about um, I was thinking about the Canadian radio station. Oh, okay, yeah. They're like, we like, we'd like to do a segment now on two famous celebrities wearing the same dress called "They Both Look Nice." <laughs> um, uh, anyway, the tail ends in a stinger carrying venom of such power that a dose of but .003 ppm is sufficient to make even the leather-skinned hodag turn green oh. and swell up and die inside of an hour. No wonder that folks wise in woods lore are wary of this circular engine of destruction. Oh my god, did they kill the hodag? <laughs> he may travel on just one cylinder, but that's all he needs. Did they kill the hodag? I don't know. I mean, there's more than one in there. I there, Well, there has to be. The speed. Conspiracy theory. The original Hodag died and was replaced. <laughs> they look completely different now. Was replaced by Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne is the new Hodag. <laughs> the speed reached in Roland is nothing short of remarkable. A full-grown jackrabbit is pie for this snake. A mature That's snake. <laughs> a mature snake, when hooped, has a diameter. <laughs> has a diameter. Go on. <laughs> What's the diameter of the snake, Addison? Has a diameter of one point five nine two three feet. He has been. <laughs> These are stopped. very mathematically articulate lumberjacks. This is a very specific. <laughs> well, there's another one rolling down here. Let me get the calipers. <laughs> Was that English? <laughs> the calipers. No, you the know first. What calipers are. No, the first bit you said sounded like. Oh, there's one rolling on down here. Let me get the calipers. That was that joke. He has been clocked after being enticed onto a cleverly designed rolling metered platform. <laughs> At an RPM of about 1056, or a straightaway speed of some 60 miles per hour, the only way to outrun him is to climb over a fence. The snake must unhoop to get through. Oh, my God. There are many authentic cases of death from this reptile's venom. Possibly the most convincing bit of data is that in a fit of peak, a hoop snake stung one of Paul Bunyan's peavy handles. Of course, this handle was a sizable stick to start with, but the venom swelled it to such dimensions that Paul cut it up into 946 cords of wood. And then the dang stuff wouldn't burn, just lay in the stove and hissed. So here's the thing. We're so... Okay. 
I will believe a snake with a stinger that rolls into a wheel and rolls after its prey at 60 miles per hour. But if you want me to believe that wood on an axe handle, upon being stung with venom, swelled up like inflamed tissue. Yes. Then I don't know if I can accept that reality. My favorite thing about this is that it's like, listen, the most compelling evidence we have is a Paul Bunyan story. So you know it's legit. I want to take a second to talk about this particular camp of lumberjacks because, wow, I love them with every fiber of my being. Yeah, tell me about these These mathematically-minded, like, Rube Goldberg lumberjacks. (laughs) These lumberjacks who are like, you know what? You know what we ought to do with this thing, really? We ought to build a bespoke metering platform so we can roll this sucker up on there and get some measurements for the good folk back home. They got to know what they're getting into, you see. We can't just write this book. We got to be specific. The people want numbers. The people want numbers. They want to know what's going on. (laughs) It's just incredible. Like the specificity with which they measure these beautiful, beautiful hoop snakes. I love the hoop snake. Um, there's some great artistic renderings of the hoop snake slash photoshops of the hoop snake. Um, I'm also, sorry, you say photoshops and all I'm hearing is... This is an artistic rendering, though. It's beautiful. It's just a circle. I love my favorite weird Ouroboros. I was going to say, it's an Ouroboros, but it, here's the thing. Have you ever thought to yourself, I'd like to weaponize an Ouroboros? Because <laughs> that's what the hoop snake offers you the opportunity to do. Ladies and gents and other assorted individuals, have you ever said to yourself, boy, I sure do love the Ouroboros, but you know what? I want one with more of a folksy down-home charm. Well, have we got the snake for you? Comes with a stinger full of venom at absolutely no extra charge. At about 1.5 meters in diameter, you can roll this baby anywhere you like, clocking speeds of up to, what was it, like... (laughs) 60 miles per hour. 60 miles per hour. Would you believe? (laughs) So anyway... I would like to uh, hop over to the new cryptozoology wiki. Uh, please do. To give us just kind of a it's a little bit less folksy uh, uh, descriptor of the hoop snake. Uh, the hoop snake is a legendary creature of the United States, Canada, and Australia, which I would love to talk. I'll okay. talk about in a minute. The lore of the of the hoop snake and talks of it being sighted have actually has actually sort of uh, migrated over to Australia. It's rolled over there, if you will. I, and I'm on a roll, if you will. Uh, um, but. The hoop snake appears in the Picos Bill stories, although it is his description of hoop snakes with which most people are familiar. Stories of the creature predate those fictional tales considerably. Several sightings of the hoop snake have been alleged along the Minnesota Wisconsin border, so. All right, all right. Pretty good accent right. choice, I think. In the St. Croix River Valley, and in Wake County in North Carolina, and in Kamloops, British Columbia. According to folklore, the distinguishing feature of a hoop snake is that it can grasp its tail in its jaws and roll after its prey like a wheel, thus looking somewhat like the Ouroboros, Ouroboros, or I can, it's a word that I used to say in my head as Ouroboros, like when I read it in books, so it's really hard for me to reconcile the fact that it's actually pronounced Ouroboros, so I sometimes will say it wrong anyway. That's but, fine. Say it whatever um, way the spirit or, moves you. It's uh, all Greek to me. Huh. There's something else that I came upon in my research on this, actually, and I'm going to talk about it in, like, actually right now, because the other thing it's compared to mm-hmm. is from uh, Japanese mythology, and it is the uh, Suchinoko. Okay. Which translates also to child of hammer or child of dirt. It is a snake-like Same. being. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's a really fat snake that rolls, uh, that can roll like a wheel. It swallows its own, it can swallow its own tail and roll like a wheel. Oh my gosh. Um, it's the, it's a yokai. It's, I know I love its names. It's described as being between 30 and 80 centimeters in length, but much wider in the middle than its head or its tail. So it's like little head, little tail, and then like oh, big fat belly. Why is it like that? How does it roll effectively? <laughs> I don't know. That's wild. 
magic. Yeah, I guess. It's also accounted as being sometimes uh, able to jump up to a meter in distance, followed by a second jump while still in the air, so it can double jump like in a video game. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, according to legend, some of them have the, propen- the ability to speak and a propensity for lying and also have a taste for alcohol, so like most of the guys I knew in college. Yay! Um, <laughs> my other friend likes whiskey and only tells the truth. <laughs> But it can uh, swallow the end of its tail and roll like a wheel, like the hoop snake. So that's another example. So you can picture the uh, Ouroboros, or you can picture this real fat boy, this chunky boy. Um, but, like, mostly in the middle, and then his head and his tail are tapered? Like, what? And that, yeah. that's got to affect his rolling speed. I don't. Usually I wouldn't be so hung up on the physics of cryptids, except that our good friends in the Lumberwoods went to such trouble to, like, <laughs> nail down the facts and figures of I don't know thing. what to tell you. Think you can ramp one of these babies? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but uh, in one version of the myth, back to the hoop snake page, in one version of the myth, the snake straightens out at the last second, skewering its victim with its venomous tail. (laughs) Just launching itself. That is unbelievably great. It's like it's throwing a javelin, but the javelin is its own body. That's buck wild. Whoa. (laughs) A hoop snake is mentioned in a letter from 1784, which was published in Tor in the USA, Volume 1. And it is, as other serpents crawl upon their bellies, so can this. But he has another method of moving peculiar to his own species, which he always adopts when he is in eager pursuit of his prey. He throws himself into a circle, running rapidly around, advancing like a hoop, with his tail arising and pointed forward in the circle, by which he is always in the ready position of striking. It is observed that they only make use of this method in attacking, for when they flee from their enemy, they go upon their bellies like other serpents. Why? Because. They can roll so fast. From the above circumstances peculiar to themselves, they have also derived the appellation of, or appellation, not appellation. Right, no, 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 I know what you mean. um, Of hoop snakes. All right, so here's just like a quick tangent. Mm -hmm. I... A, want to believe, and B, need to know that somewhere out there, somebody has, like, made use of the hoop snake in a really cool, like, Dungeons & Dragons character concept where your character has, like, a familiar that's a snake that you, like, carry around and it talks to you, but also you can throw it like a poison javelin. I like it. Um, If you haven't used this character concept yet, you're free to use it. You don't have to credit me. It's fine. Just, like, let me know if you do because I need to know it exists. Very good. Here's the thing. This is going to be ridiculous, but uh, there are... I, as someone who did, as I mentioned, a den college, um, thank you, for a year I was in a sorority and I went to a lot of fraternity parties and I heard a lot of uh, music at these fraternity parties that just like use particularly the phrase throw that ass in a circle. What? You ever heard throw that ass in a circle? No, I've literally never heard that in my life. Well, it's it's dancing. It's like fine. It's it's part of hip hop music, and I totally like get that it appeared in a like in a lot of like hip hop like in a lot of songs that were meant to like encourage dancing. And I totally am into that. I like get that, and I did attempt on various at various points to throw, to throw my ass, ass in, a circle. in a circle. But I also all I could think when I was reading that when it talked about it rolling itself in a circle with its fear in its mouth was throwing its ass in a circle. Oh man! And I hate myself for that. I need you to know that. No 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 no. This is good. This is good actually. And I also am not making fun of said songs. It's more just specifically a phrase that came into my mind in a way that I could not force it out as I was reading that out loud to you. All I could, that's all I could hear in my head it's over and over wild. and over again. It's horrible. It's perfect. I think we can roll with like it. Like a forgotten nightmare. <laughs> I want to hop over to another uh, page. I want to hop over to Natural History Magazine. Okay, sweet. Which is, this is uh, under a segment called Pick from the Past. This is uh, talking about um, the hoop snake story with some theories of its origin. This is a piece by Carl Patterson Schmidt, Assistant Curator of Reptiles and Amphibians at the Field Museum of Natural History. 
So this is talking about more like the origins of mm-hmm. the idea sure. of the hoop snake. One of the most persistent and widespread snake myths in the United States. So like, well, I don't know about that. We'll see. Uh, maybe. But it tells of a large serpent which takes its tail in its mouth and rolls like a hoop. It appears that the supposed habit of rolling like a hoop is an elaboration of the more fundamental belief in a snake with a poison sting in its tail. And that apparently occurs a lot. My first impression was that this must be one of the universal snake myths, and I thought of the familiar snake bracelet or finger ring in which the head of the snake meets the tail. So we've seen a lot of jewelry like that. I'm actually Mm -hmm. quite into jewelry in that sort of setup. The Midgard serpent of Norse myth is a sea monster represented as encircling the earth, although it could not, in the opinion of the writer of this piece, have had a bearing on the hoop snake story. But it is just interesting to know of another circular snake in sort of Oh, yeah. Of I mean, that's a thing that I mythology. love, especially when we get into talking about cryptozoology, is, like, stories that don't necessarily have any bearing on each other whatsoever. It's just fascinating that, like, humans will come around to the same kinds of stories eventually, no matter where they're from or what they're doing. Um, and there are, you know, different arguments for that. You can either say, like, oh, that's a collective consciousness thing. Like, there's something out there that is weighing on the collective human hive mind and, like, bringing this imagery to the forefront. Or it's just the idea that, like, you know, there are only so many options for whimsical critters that we can dream up. Like, we're going to hit on the same ones eventually. Now, this idea of a snake with a poison stinger appears a lot in early American accounts. And this writer, he references a letter by John Clayton, written to the Royal Society of London, dated 1688. Sweet. There is another—sorry, let me fix that— There is another sort of deadly snake, the red snake. I once narrowly escaped treading on the back of one of them. They are of an ugly ugly dark brown color, inclining to red. Their bellies are more of a dusky white, with a large streak of vermilion red on either side. This, too, is of the viper kind, but it's not so short, but its tail is more taper and small. The horn snake is, as they say, another sort of deadly snake. I never saw any of them unless once, shortly after my arrival in that country, which I cannot attest to being the horn snake, for I could not distinctly view it, being in a thicket of sumac. It was perched up about two feet high in a sumac branch. Its tail twisted about the shrub, and about a quarter of a yard stood bolt forward, leaning over the forked branch thereof. I could not see the horn with which it strikes, and if it wounds, as is, de- is as deadly as the rattlesnake's bite. The gentleman that was with me told me it was the horn snake, but being in haste and on horseback, and the snake in a thicket, I could not see the horn, but I had thought I should never have been... S- excuse me, but I... But had I thought I should never have seen more of them, I should have took a little pains to have been better satisfied. This, I think, may not improperly be referred to the dart snake. Ooh. So that was a very confusingly written piece. Sorry. And I got a little lost in my terrible accent. That's one of my favorite things about, like, old texts is nowadays we're just sort of spoiled because we know that if we mess something up, somebody will tweet at us and tell us and we can, like, correct it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But way back then it was like... People who are mad about this text will probably never have a way to speak to me. Mm-hmm. So I'd better be as infuriatingly clear as possible. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Robert Beverly, in A History of Virginia, which was published in 1722, wrote that they have, Likewise, the horn snake, so-called from a sharp horn it carries in its tail, with which it assaults anything that offends it. Same. <laughs> with that force, that as it is said, it will strike its tail into the butt end of a musket, from whence it is not able to disengage itself. Oh, no. <laughs> he is trapped. Oh, no. He is trapped. Oh, that's horrible. That's like, um, I, I feel like it was a common gag at one point in animation to take like... Or to stick something in the front of a... Of, like, a hunting rifle? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. But I'm thinking specifically about, like, um, like swordfish or hummingbirds or things with, like, long beaky sort of things mm. that, like, get stuck in stuff, like, uh, like jab their horns on, like, a piece of wood or something or, like, somebody, like, moves at the last second and they, like, get stuck and you have to, like, pluck them out. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Or like bees. Like they did it with bees too. Mm-hmm. And there's also an account, um, and I won't read it because it's quite long, but he cites an account from J.F.D. Smith in 1784, which was published in Tour in the USA, Volume 1. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned before, and this is the one we talked about before, uh, he has the longer account, the full one, where he talks about staying in North Carolina and account- encountering the hoop snake. So you can trace it pretty far back in American, um, sort of the American understanding of snakes in the area Mm -hmm. and it starts with this idea of the horn and then the horn carries over into the hoop and there's a lot of crossover there which is odd to me it's interesting it's a snake myth myth, though i say in in quotes just you know essentially this dies a little bit more into its origins but people are afraid of snakes essentially and people there's a lot of debate that this piece posits about whether or not people decided it was a horn because they, like, kind of conflated this, like, stinging feeling of, like, mm-hmm. a poisonous bite with, like, a bee stinger or, oh, like, okay. a horned animal. Yeah. And also kind of the fact that memories forged in, like, panic and fear and, like, mm-hmm. with your adrenaline yeah, really high could sometimes be really unreliable. And also it is pointed out that there are situations where snakes do mistakenly swallow the end of their tail. And this is pointed out by multiple sources of mine thinking that it <laughs> – sorry, this is mean. I shouldn't laugh at the poor snakes – thinking that it is, like, another animal, like a prey oh, animal. Oh, no. And they <laughs> – and they eat it? <laughs> well, they try to, and then they, they have to get unstuck, but people might see them like... But they do get unstuck. I don't know. Because that's what I'm concerned about. Alex, I don't know if I can tell you if they do. I don't think snakes have, like, a gag reflex. But I'm hoping it would start to realize that... That's what I'm saying. Oh, how do it get out? Yeah. It's not a realization thing. It's like a physically, like, can snakes vomit? Because if they can't... They're just stuck. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna sw- I'm gonna switch gears and not talk about this anymore because now I'm sad. Okay, actually, do we have a minute to divert for a mid roll? Yes. On that very troubling note, actually, we do. <laughs> cool. We have a sponsor this week, and I forgot to throw it in right there at the front because I was busy being very silly about a TV show that I love. <laughs> I understand. So, but this is actually like a very serious sponsorship and a cause that I am really, really excited that we are able to help out in some small capacity this week. This episode is brought to you by the Lone Star Victims Advocacy Project. The Lone Star Victims Advocacy Project's mission is to educate, advocate for, and provide free legal services to empower immigrant victims of abuse in rural Texas. LSVAP believes that no one should ever have to live with violence and that all victims of abuse deserve dignity, compassion, and help. Their clients are incredibly isolated by language, geography, culture, and abuse. They're desperate for help, but but that help is increasingly hard for them to find. LSVAP will provide free bilingual services to folks across the state of Texas without ever requiring their clients to come to them. They make it as easy as possible for their clients to get the help they need, and in turn, the Lone Star Victims Advocacy Project will study each case to see what other resources in their community might have helped them and their families to leave their abusers sooner. They use each case as a foot into the door of the rural communities that they serve and advocate to make those resources available so that no one feels they have to live with abuse. But they do need help raising the funds to make that possible. 80% of LSVAP's budget goes directly into working with clients and performing advocacy on the ground. By giving, you will make an immediate impact on both lives and policies in rural Texas. Your donation will help them change Texas one family and one community at a time. You can learn more about the Lone Star Victims Advocacy Project and their mission at lsvap.org. Awesome. But yeah, the Lone Star Victims Advocacy Project is something that was brought to our attention by one of our longtime listeners and good friend, Marilee, who was basically um, 
who who uh, had the sponsorship put on the episode, and we very much were in line with it and said, like, yes, absolutely, that's something we definitely want to talk about. Like, let us help. And we hope that we can help, and we hope that you guys can help, too. There have already been donations made in our name to the LSVAP as our way of, of being compensated for this ad space. There so is. rather than being paid to put this ad on our on our um, on our airtime we instead had that money donated to the LSVAP and if you would like to make a donation yourself you can do so at lsvap.org we think that now more than ever it's a really important cause and a really important time to be giving and the framework and the way in which they are doing so is really really sustainable it's really really innovative it's really really intuitive and it's really really empathetic so I think uh, turn your attention to them and if you can give please do and if you can't then encourage you to spread the word. Spread the word or find other charities doing similar work that are meaningful to you Mm -hmm. and give to those or help give back to your own community in whatever ways you have, whether that's by your time or material resources or volunteering or spreading the word or like helping at a phone bank. Like there are tons of ways to get involved. And any of those is just a quick Google search away. I know it's Mm -hmm. super easy to feel super powerless in times when it seems like there's so much going wrong so consistently all the time. But the best thing you can do is keep yourself informed, keep yourself open, and keep yourself engaged. Like, keep yourself healthy and feeling good about the situation as best as you can by helping to do something about it. Mm-hmm. As Mr. Rogers used to say, look to the helpers. Yes. And then be one of them. Feels weird to divert the topic uh, from that, but I was going to say before that— um, <laughs> Yeah, back to the hoop snake. Back to the hoop snake. But that— uh. He wraps up the piece by saying that uh, people equated stinging snakes and stinging lizards in periods of his time, and that most likely what the stinging lizards probably wore actually was uh, scorpions. Oh, yeah, I mean, probably. There were people who would say, uh, like, he provides a couple accounts of someone being essentially like, hey, there's these lizards with stingers, and someone being like, I, I don't really, I don't think there are stinging lizards. And they were like, no, look, see? And then they show them a scorpion. Is this a pigeon? <laughs> It, essentially. Look at these, these weird snakes. These are some pretty wild snakes with the, how they're covered in chitin and have crab claws. But <laughs> so many legs. So, you know, as snakes do. What I would like to talk about is the way that the uh, is the fact that the story of the hoop snake, which seems to be a distinctly American thing, has appeared in Australia. So before I get into some sightings, I would like to hop over to AustralianTraveler.com, which talks about um, this is this is a piece written by one of the administrators of the website, all it who says is, is admin, who is apparently probably, and it says this was July twenty fifth, two thousand and seven. Okay. Um, Australian Traveler draws ever closer to solving one of its greatest myths. Are hoop snakes real? Yes. Now, the funniest thing about the hoop snake in Australia, and they mentioned it a little bit in this, is when you look it up, it gets lumped together with another Australian urban legend that I think is quite funny and interesting, which is the drop bear. Oh, yes! It gets... People talk about the drop bear a lot in pieces that talk about hoop snakes. Do these suckers just fall from trees? <laughs> no, they don't. Aww. It's not compared. It's more just like like how people mention Bigfoot and Nessie in the same sentence a okay. lot. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Hoop snakes are in the same class of Australian urban legends, supposedly. They're as... not dating. They're just friends. Leave them alone. Yeah, of course. Seriously. Give them some space, guys. And also... I do resent the comparison being drawn, the deliberate, don't pit them against each other. Forget the ubiquitous and highly nefarious drop bear. Okay, the yeah, dreaded, rude. The dreaded hoop snake is the real scourge of the Australian outback, which is a pretty bold statement coming from Australia. 
They can both be dangerous, guys. And he does say that the hoop snake began life as an American myth, native to hilly or mountainous areas. When disturbed, it's said to form a rigid hoop by clasping tail mm-hmm. and mouth and pursuing you silently and swiftly, using slope that to gain wild. terrifying speed. It goes oh, so it you- does ramp. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's all I wanted. I just wanted some sick hoop snake stunts. It comes at you from uphill. It builds a momentum. It God, bless America. It ramps. Sightings in the U.S. are still reported, with one naturalist offering $10,000 to the first confirmed evidence of a hoop snake. That money remains unclaimed, which is silly to me because I'm sure there's plenty of evidence. This person is just not accepting it. Yeah, which is their own problem, really. It's their bias. But uh, most online blogs or forums advising overseas visitors of the dangers of spiders and reptiles within Australia have at least one reference to hoop snakes and how best to evade attacks. Usually something like, jump through the hoop to confuse it, then make it escape. That is bold. Can you hula hoop these bad boys? Like, would that get them all dizzy? Would you stun them? If you're brave enough. If you're brave enough. AT even discovered one lengthy exchange between a potential buyer and a seller of a captive hoop snake. As the hapless purchaser drew nearer to making a decision, all kinds of advice from online onlookers poured in. Be careful to build a big enclosure so it can hoop properly. (laughs) Make sure one end is higher than the other. Perhaps use a small paddock on a hillside. Eventually, the penny dropped and the sale aborted. So, in terms of the real thing, the nearest that Australian traveler could find is the three-toed skink. Oh, I love skinks. Yes, yeah, good. They're so cute. Captured by Chris Reberg, who manages the excellent local action and conservation website where the light meets oh sorry, where light meets dark.com. Chris came across the rare skink in the southern Sydney suburb of Peakhurst. Interestingly, among Chris's stated missions in life is to slowly but surely capture all Sydney's skink species in photographs. <laughs> I love this guy. It's pretty good. That's a wholesome thing. It's a really good goal, guys. I just want to get pictures of all the skinks. But anyway, has he stumbled upon the real-life Aussie hoop snake or at least a possible source of the legend here on our shores? When frightened, this skink shows off its reddened underbelly by curling into a tight hoop. But there's certainly never been evidence of the tiny creatures attacking in a full hoop formation. So it would appear the outback remains safe for now. Well, that's... A different matter. (laughs) Yeah. That's not the same as saying there are no hoop snakes here. I'm losing my mind. I want you to see. I don't know if you've seen the three-toed skink. It's very cute. But I just... Show me the boy. He looks kind of like a snake with little tiny, tiny feet. Yeah, because he's a skink. Yeah, I love him. That's what they do. They look like snakes. He's real cute. I know. They're precious. (laughs) Their arms are so small. Ah. Little T-Rex snakes. I love skinks so much. They are the most confused-looking animals. I love that their arms look photoshopped on. They do. Skinks don't look like real animals, but they super are. They're so great. They look like their uh, thing was photoshopped on. It's pretty good. So I would like to tell you about some hoop snake sightings. Yes, please. All right, cool. I got you. So I'm going to start with cron.com. This is a piece by Leon Hale on February 4th, 2005, and the uh, the headline, because they, of course, they couldn't gosh darn resist, is Hoop Snake Sightings Still Rolling In. <laughs> oh, Leon. You're such a card. <laughs> you absolute cad, Leon. Oh, you're such a card, Leon. What a stamp. One of the customers, Joyce Denham, has sent me a 
Hoop Snake sighting report, the first I've received in almost two years. She was at Langtree, which is upstream from Del Rio on the Rio Grande, and she saw this hoop snake rolling across what she calls the desert. I don't know what that phrase is. Wait, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) What she calls the desert. It's so weird. Shouldn't that sentence be like what she calls a hoop snake rolling across the desert? Desert is not like... (laughs) Subjective. Yeah. Nothing especially exciting in the report, just the snake making a circle of itself and rolling along, not bothering anybody. Now, here's the thing about Leon Hale. You're going to learn something about Leon Hale that I think you're going to be really interested in. Okay. I've been getting hoop snake stories for, I guess, 50 years. (laughs) What? You buried the lead on us here, Leon. All the snake books I ever read written by experts say no such creature exists, yet I keep getting these hoop snake sighting reports from perfectly intelligent people. I really want to believe that there's no reason for that either. Just like People have just like found him out as the hoop snake guy. They're like, you got a hoop snake story? Go see Leon. And he does say that, like, if you see one, he says, if you see one, please let me know. He wants all the details you can possibly give him, so he would have loved our lumberjack boys. And this is, I really need you to hear this bit right here that makes me lose my mind. Please don't try to fool me. You'll be wasting your effort. I know what a real hoop snake sighting is like. I love Leon. Please don't screw around with Leon, okay? Hey, guys, no fakes. Leon knows. He's been around the block, You're wasting his time and yours. He's been around the block. He's seen his fair share of hoop snakes. He knows what a real sighting is like. Serious inquiries only. Real hoop snakes. Don't waste his time. He says... He gave an example of a fake one. He Last time he talked about them, he says he received a report about a hoop snake 12 feet long with a luminous stinger on the end of its tail that was stinging cattle and trees. He says, come on. If we're to unravel this mystery, we must deal with real hoop snakes, not imaginary ones. <laughs> come on, guys. Seriously. Like, what kind of idiot do you think he is? He's been getting hoop snake sightings for 50 years. He really, really, really wants a picture. So if you have a picture, please send it to Leon Hale. At cron.com, C-H-R-O-N.com. He would really, really, really like to see your hoop snake picture. Hey, listen, this year for Christmas, don't get me anything. Get Leon Hale a hoop snake picture. It's all I want. Yes. Or just send him like a box of skinks. (laughs) Here's the thing. I was going to say, I also have have a short sighting from uh, Canada, Ontario, just outside Ottawa. It's pronounced Canada, sweaty. (laughs) K-A-N-A-T-A. I swear to God. So this is from Trashy's World, so I don't know. I don't know how accurate of a source this is. Um, I think you know. I think you just... This is from Trashy'sWorld.ca, which I imagine is Oscar the Grouch's personal blog. So this person says that someone claims that they saw a uh, hoop snake tracks and a baby hoop snake outside of Ontario. It says, research has indicated that baby hoops at about two weeks of age will bite their tail and roll with the mother hoop, alternating between rolling on its own and hitching a ride inside its mom's hoop. Oh my gosh! Um, what do hoop snake tracks look like and why are they different than just a regular Well, would you like a picture? Tracks? I really would. But how do you know that's from a snake that hooped? How do you not? Like, it's a line in the sand. How do you not know that that's... It's, a, um, it's Canada. It's a line in the snow. Oh, my bad. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was still thinking about the desert. From, oh, yeah, from the bad sighting. The so-called desert. I would like to tell you about a uh, hoop snake attack in 1884. Oh, man. This is actually um, from 
a uh, this is actually a newspaper clipping that was featured on picksandstuff.wordpress.com. Okay, good. But Love the it. but it is a it is I'll show you the yeah, don't read it. it, but it's a newspaper clipping from the Maitland Mercury uh, and Hunter River General Advertiser on 8th of November 1884. And there is a link to where you can find the article on this place. But um, this is the Hoopsnake sighting, and I'm reading it. Might I might if I pause a little bit? It's because I'm reading very tiny and blurry text from a scan of an old newspaper clipping from the small. 1800s. So, a pretty fair snake story is the headline. Okay. One day last week, a little girl whose name slipped the correspondent's usually retentive memory was chased by a monster hoop snake nearly a mile. Just as it seemed that it was about to strike her, she dodged behind a large apple tree. The rapidly whirling snake turned to follow and struck the tree with such force as to drive the horn spike into the hardwood over two inches. The child was so frightened that she sank down, her heart thumping as though it would burst out of her body. One of her brothers, who had seen her flying down the hill, went to see what was the matter. When he reached the tree, it was quaking like an aspen and its leaves and fruit falling to the ground in a perfect shower— the girl being almost buried beneath them. As soon as he got her restored to consciousness, he took a fence rail and killed the venomous reptile, which was 11 feet 2 and a half inches in length and 8 inches in circumference. The horn point on the tail was 6 and a half inches long oh, and wow. so deeply embedded in the hardwood that it could not extricate itself. This happened, this happened near South Mountain, Virginia. Whoa. In our own Whoa. backyard, Alex. Oh, when are we going hoop snake searching? Hoop snake searching? You avoided the alliteration and didn't say hoop snake hunting? How dare you? I don't, don't want to hunt them. I mean, we're not going gonna to hurt them. Just going to go snooping around for them. Just going to loop in. Oh, boy, that's the better term. <laughs> um, hello, cryptozoologists. I would like to issue a decree that the preferred terminology for uh, searching for hoop snakes is, in fact, Hoop snooping? Hoop snooping, please. Yeah, you gotta yeah. go hoop snooping. You gotta go hoop snooping? That sounds like a folksy thing somebody somewhere in Virginia would say. They'd be like, where are you going, Grandpa? I'm going hoop snooping. I'm going hoop snooping. Going hoop snooping. Why don't you come along with me, Clementine? What? Mm-hmm. Um, Who's Clementine? It's, well, it's his granddaughter in the fiction. I love one thing very specifically about this newspaper article, which is how petty you have to be to go out of your way in the very first sentence to point out that you don't believe your witness. He's, um, usually retentive memory. Like, you could have just said, a young girl. Like, you didn't have to say, a young girl who shall remain nameless on account of, um, the person who submitted this is usually super reliable, I'm sure. But forgot the name, but so... But guess couldn't even bother to remember the name. Here are some other details, if you choose to believe them. You don't have to, like, roast your witness in your article. Yeah. They also just... I, it was just... It was, it was... The writing choices were interesting. I came across, uh, yeah, pretty pretty passive-aggressive. A little passive-aggressive, a little bit rude, just sort of like, it's fine, Gerald. <laughs> they might as well have written in the article, just... Yeah, seriously. The name of the little girl was not reported because the witness forgot it, which is fine, Gerald. They're usually super attentive memory. You know, it's not like I was right about that fight last week or anything. Mm-hmm. This is from steemit.com. Oh. S-T-E-E-M-I-T. It looks like it's some sort of blogging site. Okay. But uh, this is essentially just somebody writing about, um, this is Dragon40, who wrote last year about um, a uh, doctor of about Dr. Ralph A. Smith, who was a zoologist in San Jose, California, who received a letter, who was a friend of this guy's grandpa, who received a letter from someone asking about the hoop snake and talking about seeing it in Texas. So I'm just going to read you the letter that was sent to Dr. Ralph A. Smith. 
So, my dear friend, your co-workers have many times assured me that you were outstanding in your field of work on the entire West Coast, and I have always admired your familiarity with all species of insects, fishes, reptiles, etc., even to the extent of calling each by its first name. If there be any missing link in the scope of your knowledge, I suspect it relates to a certain rare reptile scarcely known outside of its native habitat. I refer to the Texas hoop snake, found only that rare state, as any rare thing would naturally be, and that is only seen, or excuse me, that is seen only by one enjoying to the highest degree a state of zooscopy. Zooscopy? Zooscopy. 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 The hoop snake takes its name from its peculiar manner of locomotion. Okay. It varies in length from three to ten feet. Whoa, okay. Twelve feet is right out. It has a long, sharp spike on its tail, which contains a deadly poison. When it wishes to move or attack its prey, it seizes the spike in its mouth, thus forming a perfect hoop, and rolls away at a terrific pace. When approaching its victim, it lets go of its tail and strikes like a coiled spring, driving the spike into its victim, which causes a quick and horrible death. Now, here's a, here's some sighting stuff. Latest report upon evidence of one of these peculiar reptiles has been made by a farmer from Hoshkosh, Texas. Oh. He was returning home one evening from work, carrying a pick over his shoulder. A hoop snake spied him and, seizing its tail in its mouth, proceeded to race after him. When close to its victim, it released its tail and struck with all its force, poison spike extended. Fortunately, it missed the farmer, but drove the spike into the pick handle near the eye of the pick. The pick handle swelled until it burst the steel pick, but the farmer was able to eat his usual corn and cornbread and black-eyed peas for dinner as if nothing had happened. <laughs> Any further information received will immediately be reported to the science department. SJSC. I'm not sure what that stands for. Um, sincerely, Will Ellis Miller with a sketch of the hoop snake enclosed. I do not have the sketch, but apparently the sketch was enclosed. It is super interesting that this corroborates the Paul Bunyan, like, wood story. Mm-hmm. Crazy venom does this thing have that it like, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, it says the sketch of the hoop snake appears to have been lost to posterity. Bummer. I need to start writing more hard copies of letters to my friends about weird shit so that years later they're, oh, like, yeah. found and preserved as some sort of historical record. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so that is actually the end of my, uh, the end of my hoop snake journey for us. That was a trip. I enjoyed it immensely. I'm really glad. I really wanted something a little bit strange, a little bit silly. Um, this week, I know I often bring things that are a little troubling. I've brought some pretty silly folksy ones the last couple times I brought mm-hmm. stuff because I did also bring us the jackalope, but the hoop snake just kind of jumped out, jumped out at me. It, uh, rolled toward me at a horrifying <laughs> speed from a, an up and incline. Yeah, it got a ramp, so it, like, built up some speed. It got some amazing air. <laughs> did it? Yeah. Honestly, the air, and it got like what, like three feet of air. It got like it really just like soared. I don't know more skater terminology, and I tried to say something. Sweet and then Ollie, I, it's what on the on the take that snake to the half pipe, kick um, flip. <laughs> Do you can't kick flip that snake on the half pipe? Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tony Hawk, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> got it in one, crushed it. But um, I think that sometimes, especially when things are really hard and really scary, we need a little bit of levity. And sometimes that levity can come to me in the form of a snake taking its tail in its mouth and rolling just so fast and so furious down the road at you. I love the idea of that. Imagining that rolling on something like, like, think about how hard it is to drive something with wheels on sand. Mm-hmm. How does the hoop snake get that much momentum in the desert? How does he do it? It's got some sweet grips all along its back, so when it rolls mm, up, it's got that got tread. It. Now, how come? I also actually wondered this, and maybe you can answer this for me. How does the hoop snake manage to not fall over? Like, how does he keep his upright position? momentum? 
But how does he get into get the momentum to begin with? Um, he slithers real fast. Does he like slither real fast and then like kind of rear up and tip forward and grab this tail in his mouth and start I feel rolling? Like he's got to like right? a gymnastics move. Yeah, maybe that's also part of why he needs to start on a hill. Mm. Now it doesn't say he needs to start as a hill. It, right, start as a hill. Help! It doesn't say that he needs to start on a hill so much as their hunting grounds are right, yeah. uphill from you. So always be uphill of a rolling hoop snake. Always be uphill from them. Side note: I've never seen it, so I'm going to verify really quickly that that's what this movie is. That's what this movie is actually called. But it's come to my attention there is a horror film about like a tire that kills people. Oh, it's called Rubber. It's called Rubber. Yeah, I was going to look it up. I thought it was called Rubber. Oh yeah, I wish it was about a hoop snake, but no, say, it's, it's straight up just about a sentient tire. We haven't pitched a movie in a while that terrorizes people. People. We haven't pitched a movie in a while. I would like to pitch uh, the Hoop Snake. Okay, scary I movie. want a remake of Rubber, except everything where everything is exactly the same, except instead of a tire, it's a Hoop Snake. Is it still called Rubber? It's called Hoop Snoopin'. <laughs> oh, of course it is. You're so right. <laughs> You're so right. I love snakes, man. And you know what? Just like the never-ending cycle of the Ouroboros oh, wow. here on the Crypt Keeper, the fun just never ends. It just keeps so, on rolling. Just keeps on rolling. <laughs> Rolling on the river. Please tell me that's going to do it for us today. That's going to do it for us today. <laughs> okay. As a friendly reminder, our sponsor this week is the Lone Star Victims Advocacy Project. You can find at lsvap.org, providing legal assistance as well as resources and emotional support to immigrant victims of abuse in the state of Texas, uh, which, you know, maybe there's some poop snakes out there, too. I don't know. Oh, well, we just found we out. We literally there are just established there are. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yeah. be I didn't mean to skull anybody's molder over here. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so please, 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 please take a moment to check out their website, even if you don't live in Texas, even if you don't have money to donate. Maybe it's something you can share with people who you do know in Texas or something you can share with people all around your various network of friends, and maybe they can do something to help give back in some way, shape, or form. Um, it's a wonderful cause, and we are so happy to be affiliated with it this week. As a friendly reminder, you can also find us personally, us, hello, hi, us, on other forms of social media. Mm -hmm. You can find us on Twitter at CryptKeepPod, C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D. We are uh, also on Facebook as The Cryptid Keeper, or you can hop in our Facebook group, which is The Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group. It's a group for listeners and fans and friends and supporters, and we all have a good time chatting in there. There's a bunch of memes. There's, like, some cool questions. Some people share, like, really, really awesome cosplays or fan art or things like that. It's way neat. Mm-hmm. Totally love it. It's always a fun time. If you have questions or comments or you want to send us a listener story, particularly we we collect those for our occasional listener stories episodes, you can shoot that to us in an email at cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. Same spelling as the Twitter. That is C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. And we are on Patreon as the Cryptid Keeper, so if it behooves you to throw a dollar or two our way every month, there are rewards. There's all sorts of bonus content, not the least of which is our actual Play Monster of the Week campaign titled A Horror Borealis. It's a lot of fun. We put up new episodes every Monday. Uh, we've been through a couple arcs so far, so there's a bit of a backlog, and hopefully you enjoy it. If you donate at $5 per month or above, you also get access to our Cryptid Keeper Discord server, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about everything. That should do it for us. Yeah. To say. So, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. <laughs>